0: It's not a party, we will party hard. Huh? Fans, it's time for that sports show not this sports show not any other sports show that sports show impact media's weekly dive into the world of practically every sport especially focusing here on uh, here in the Atlanta area uh, a couple national things as well But welcome in we've got a lot to get into of course the NFL has been bonkers in the last week with all kinds of trades uh, Falcons are, are doing some good things. Get into that. There's a Dan Snyder update. Of course, we've got NASCAR and F1 for our gear heads. We're going to talk some soccer. And uh, who knows what else. But first, I want to let you know that if you want to contact this show, you can do so by emailing us at 3endzone at gmail.com. That is the number 3 e-n-d-z-o-n-e at gmail.com you can also search for us on Facebook whether that is Impact Media Jeremy York That Sports Show if you are one of those people and we don't mind these people at all we actually celebrate these people we appreciate all of you if you are one of these people who like to click on a link and just listen to a show a great show I do say so myself. Then you can go to our Twitter account at Team Impact Media and just click the link and listen to the show. You scroll down to the one you want. All our it's just show just show links on that particular account. If you would like to follow myself for show links and more at the impact ninety-nine on Twitter, Thriller, TikTok, and Instagram. And, of course, you should be able to find us anywhere you find a podcast, including Podcast One, Spotify, iTunes Store, any of those places. If there's a place you regularly find a podcast that you do not find us, feel free to, to shoot us a message, and we will fix that accordingly. Now, as I said, the NFL has been a little bonkers, a little more bonkers than usual. And uh, the trades that have went down are are no are no joke. Uh, I'm just going to talk about some of the bigger ones. Um, we're going to start right there with former UGA standout linebacker Roquan Smith. He's going to move from the south side of Chicago to the lovely harbor town of Baltimore, Maryland. hope he likes crab cakes. Uh, what a great trade. There's some pick compensation in there, which is fine. I, think, I don't remember exactly. I think it's second and fifth or something like that. Uh, fair market value. Uh, what Chicago gets is uh, they're able to clear some capital off their books. They're able to help with their rebuild by stacking more picks. And they're able to find a home for one of their better players in the last couple years who may not necessarily want to stick around for uh, the rebuild. So it works for everybody. What Baltimore gets is a field general to stick in the middle of that defense that can uh, make plays, he can call plays. And uh, he he is ready to rock. There is nothing holding him back. You insert him into the linebacker situation they have there. Whether linebacker play has not been as good as it usually is, but it's it's not been bad. I'm not I'm in no way to to who they have are, are they bad. But an already pretty good defense just got a lot better. So good for Roquan Smith. And uh, there you go UGA fans. If you weren't already a Baltimore Ravens fan because of Mark Andrews and others, maybe you are now. The Miami Dolphins knew they needed help with a couple different places. They needed a pass rusher, so they reached out to the Denver Broncos and they got Bradley Chubb. Denver in the same situation. They've got some young pass rushers that they're not paying a lot of money to that they grabbed... In recent years in the draft I think one was a late round draft pick and one was about a second or third round they like those guys and those guys combined don't make probably a third of what Bradley Chubb does nor what he's gonna command in a year or so but Miami says hey we're okay with that and when we get to that bridge we will cross it so they get Bradley Chubb another place they as part of the Bradley Chubb deal they sent uh, Uh, one of their running backs to Denver And so they needed help at running back and who do they reach out to well The people that have a plethora of them normally because they're not all healthy But this team just traded for one who doesn't stay healthy very often And Christian McCaffrey. They get Jeff Wilson from the San Francisco 49ers Uh, good deal The good thing is is their head coach Mike McDaniel this is Miami's head coach, came from San Francisco where he's very familiar with the offensive set, and he's very familiar with Jeff Wilson. He knows what he's getting. Dolphin fans, you guys did really, really good. Um, The Chicago Bears, who traded away Roquan Smith earlier, traded and got, they spent a second-round pick on Chase Claypool, the wide receiver for Pittsburgh. I think this is a definite upgrade for the Bears. This this is their way of showing Justin Fields that we're trying to give you weapons. We're trying to build things around you. And we're going to give you a big-time receiver that will hopefully help that. Uh, we all know Pittsburgh got some uh, draft compensation, as they should. But this begs the question. If you have a uh, – if you ask Chase Claypool, he's the top three receiver in this league. He's uh, – slightly further down than that. I, not much. Now He's he's really good. But when you have somebody of his caliber who gets traded, you know, it's, it's not like the Steelers are trying to win the Super Bowl this year. They have some young, talented receivers. I mean, I'm not saying they're out of it because they're not currently out of it. But it's interesting when a high-profile player gets traded like that. They know something the rest of us don't, and knowing the Steelers, maybe Chase Claypool is a little more proud of himself than those around him, and, uh, you know, they've dealt with quite a few in the past, including uh, uh, Smith-Schuster and Antonio Brown, so maybe they kind of saw the trend going, they said, hey, we've seen this movie before, so let's let's go on and, and move on now, move him to uh, a team that, that he's going to be happy for and happy with, so... Uh, I, I do think that's what happened. I uh, wish the best for Chase Claypool. It's, uh, it's going to be fantastic. And last but not least, the, the Falcons did do a couple other trades, but the one that sticks out for me is they are sending Calvin Ridley to Jacksonville for, I believe, it is like a fourth and a seventh. And the 4th can become a 3rd. if uh, it, it depends on how much he plays. If he gets a contract extension, if he makes the team. It could be all the way up to a 2nd round pick, which is pretty dynamite for a former 1st round pick that didn't play much because of the suspension and other things. He, he should be coming off suspension, I believe, uh, at the end of this season. Uh, the thing to keep in mind, too, is, as far as suspended receivers and taking chances on guys like that Jacksonville has a history albeit not this regime. Yeah, they have a history of taking shots at people that uh, Justin Blackman comes to mind who uh, his was substance related it was not illegal so well it was marijuana that's, that's what his was and at the time the league frowned upon that him and josh gordon they got popped all the time for it and um it's a shame because both of them are highly talented and could have done great things in the league but it is what it is calvin ridley gets a new lease on life and at least his rights go to jacksonville and once he comes off suspension i mean technically they could turn around and and ship him off other places if he wanted to i think they're gonna keep him around because trevor lawrence could use a calvin ridley down there but those were a lot of the, those were a lot of the uh, bigger picks. I mean, the bigger trades. Uh, the NFL, like I said, has been just bonkers lately, uh, and not to be outdone, our Atlanta Falcons are right in the middle of that. We will talk a little bit about their game with the Chargers here in a minute. But first, I want to talk about their effort last week, where the <laughs> it was very bizarre. This this game, first of first off, the fact that there were what seventy-one points scored between the Panthers and the Falcons. That is uh, just incredible, including thirty-four of those in the fourth quarter. So half the points of this game came in the fourth quarter, and. Basically, this thing is tied at 34 after a late touchdown from from, uh, P.J. Walker. Yeah, imagine that. You have the first overall pick in Baker Mayfield of a couple years ago's draft. You have the third overall, Sam Darnold. And uh, they're both about to be both healthy at the same time. And yet P.J. Walker, basically an undrafted free agent who has played in the, I think, AF, uh, the AAF. He's played in the XFL. Uh, he's, he's played all over, and he's earned his way here, and he might be the best quarterback of the three of them. Good for him. I saw this guy play in the in uh, some of those other leagues, and uh, dude can play. Is he a world beater? No. But he can play, and he's got them playing well. Remember they traded Christian McCaffrey, and yet in back-to-back weeks they've scored like 30 points, and I think they won last week. They just stomped Brady and the Bucks. And then this week they almost defeat the Falcons uh, but it all came down to PJ Walker found DJ Moore to tie it up all they gotta do is line up the extra point but DJ Moore gets a little excited rips his helmet off during the celebration that is unfortunately a personal foul can't do that can't rip your helmet off in celebration so the referees call the call the penalty, and it's just not a phantom penalty. It's not a oh they they don't always call it. No, they they have to call that every time. Helmet comes off, if it's on purpose, then there's your penalty. So the Falcons get the option. The Falcons can uh, tack that onto the kickoff, which means they would uh, they would basically be kicking off from like the ones it the twenty or something like that. Which is fine. Um, or they can add it to the extra point, which would make that like a 47-yard extra point or something. So they say, you know what, we're going to assess that penalty, and we're going to stick it on the extra point. And so they line up for a 40-plus yard, or no joke, it's 40-plus yard. And Pinheiro is a is a great kicker, Eddie Pinheiro. He lines up for it and he shanks it to his left, our right when we're looking at the upright. No harm, no foul, right? This thing goes overtime, so they got the opportunity in overtime. The Panthers march it all the way down, and they line up for, gosh, it had to be a 33-yard field goal or so, and that first kick that he missed was in his head, and he shanks the second one. So the Falcons march down, and uh, Youngway Koo, he knows how to put it through those little yellow bars. He puts it through the uprights. The Falcons win in overtime to improve to 4-4. Four and four. And ultimately, thanks to the Bucks losing last week, your first place Atlanta Falcons. Congratulations, Falcons. And Falcons fans, how cool is that? Remember earlier this year, I may have still said the Bucks could win the division, and that's still not out of the realm of possibility. But I told you guys that there is a scenario where the Falcons could win the division, or at least be a really good wild card, and a lot of that is actually starting to fall into place. I told you the Panthers would uh, would explode, and they have uh, they have, have pretty pretty far exploded. Now, they're starting to put some things together, but uh, right now you have a two-game lead on them. So that's not a bad thing. I told you the Saints are going to implode. That's exploding from the inside. It's, you know, blowing up from the inside. They are very much doing that. They've had some solid moments here and there, but nothing consistent they can put together. I told you guys there is a lot of drama on and off the field going on in Tampa. We have heard about some of it, and they've had all those injuries. We've not heard about some of the rest of it. But that has led to the Buccaneers not quite being the Buccaneers we were a member of a couple of years ago. So that lines up. I said that far, Falcons can stay around 500. They currently are at 4-4. and four. That is a 500 record. If they can stay in that range or slightly a game better or so, they are in line to take this division. And how crazy would that be in year two of a complete overhaul? Notice I didn't use those... those uh, those RB words, and complete overhaul in year two if you find yourself into a playoff position or close enough to one. That just shows you how close you are, and that is also why you're not changing quarterbacks right now. For the 45th time, you're not going with Ritter while Mariota is winning games and you're in playoff contention because... Even if you know what he is in practice, you don't know what he is in the game. And I understand that if you play him in a game, then you may find out. If you get up or down enough in garbage time to put the kid in, then you can maybe figure out some stuff early on. But for now, he's going to get his time. He's going to probably play later this year. But for now, it's Mariota. And Mari- And see, we found out something. Mariota had one of his better games this week. And Coach Arthur Smith come out and he said, yeah, I actually – Uh, opened up the playbook a little more for Marcus, and um, also made it a little more aggressive in some situations. Maybe that's what's been keeping Mariota uh, from busting out, is he needed to be a little more aggressive, and he needed a little more of the arsenal to pick from. Could be. That's, That's what I'm thinking. That doesn't sound like coach speak, and that doesn't sound like some sort of excuse that sounded like a, a straight up reason why that is happening. But like I said, they are four and four. They are currently the leaders in the NFC South. They will welcome in the Los Angeles Chargers this week. They've got a heck of a defense. They've got a lot of weapons. Um, at the, I know Austin Eckler is still good he's good to go Justin Herbert Uh, Mike Williams was a little dinged up we'll see about that they've had some other receivers that are dinged up as well but they always bring it on they always bring it on offense and like I said their defense is uh, quite good as well Uh, Keys to victory. Here's how I think you can beat them. They are. It's it's going to be similar to what Georgia State just recently did, and we'll talk about that on GSU Panthers on later this week. I uh, got a special guest on there. I think you guys are going to enjoy that little twist we're going to throw on there. Uh, I think that will be tomorrow night when you will hear that. But uh, it, it's it's going to be a similar game plan that Georgia State used versus Old Dominion over the weekend, here's what Atlanta needs to do to defeat the Chargers. You need to continue to use your run-based offense and your small uh, chip-away plays. Take your shots down the field when you get them because the Chargers are gonna wanna rush in, they're gonna wanna get in the backfield, so let them run and then run right past them. Get everything out quick and out from around them and don't let them get to Mariota too quickly. Uh, Key number two, You've got to, you won't shut it down, but you've got to contain Justin Herbert and this offense and the passing attack. And the way you do that, uh, you know, if, if Austin Eckler wants to run for 300 yards and a touchdown, you almost would rather have that than Justin Herbert to throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns. So, I mean, for the most part, you got to make sure that Mike Williams and crew are blanketed, bracketed, whatever you got to do Keep everything in front of you. Don't let those guys around you. And like I said, if, if Eckler wants to be the one to to pile up all the yards, then so be it, better than all the receivers. And then number three, you've got to win the turnover battle. That's been something the Falcons have struggled with a little bit this year. got to win the turnover battle. You've got to cause more chaos to them than they cause to you. And if, if they do those three things, I very much think that they will be able to to come up come up with another victory and stay in first place so uh, that game is 1 p.m. on Fox that's gonna be a fun game I cannot wait to watch that one I hope you guys uh, are as excited as I am now we've got a lot of other stuff uh, well no let's talk about this next and then we will we will uh, take a break Uh, there is uh, it's, it's it's a report it's not even a rumor anymore there's a report that Dan Snyder and his lovely bride have reached out to a financing firm or company to explore the possibility of selling the team. Yeah, did not see this coming. Thought he was gonna stay there until they pried him away and drug him out, but apparently He is looking into this possibility. I guess he wanted to hang on to it and he wanted to keep it in the family and and pass it off to his kids. Uh, Maybe the kids didn't want it, or maybe the kids just wanted to be, I mean, I I don't know if their their votes or decisions went into this. But either way, they are exploring the possibility of selling the team. We know the Broncos just went for just under $5 million. We know that there was somebody who uh, said they would have paid $5 million for it. Uh, but uh, the NFL gave it to the Walton family instead. Maybe this person or another person. There are people that that would like to own NFL teams. We will see what the Washington Commanders go for. Uh, When you compare them to the Denver Broncos, history and all, probably similar. On top of, you got to keep in mind um, they're either going to need a new stadium or they're going to need to renovate that one really, really badly. I'd be willing to you a new stadium. So that's going to have to be in the mix. You're going to have to have all that in place. There, there's a lot that's going to go into this. I think we will not know about a potential sale until probably at minimum Super Bowl week. Probably that's what we're looking at. But... Uh, I'm I'm just curious what went into him changing his mind like this Had to be something maybe he just realized this is not a fight that he wants to Wants to be in maybe at the end of the day. It's just it's not worth the hassle, you know But we will we will see how things go from there. I think it is the right decision I, I think and it's not like oh this is a battle. He can't win I'm not saying he can't win there's there's a chance that uh, as as stubborn and as passionate as he is that he actually could win some of these but I think in the end he, he just realizes it's it's never going to stop there's always going to be somebody coming at you so He's he's just saying I'm gonna live to fight another day. I'm just gonna I'm gonna go do something else because he made his money away from football It was just his dream to be an owner. He got to be an owner Maybe maybe he realizes maybe he's not the person to fix this franchise. I I don't know, but uh, I I gotta give respect to to Daniel Snyder for even considering to change his mind and do things like this, so uh, Good for him. We will see just because they're reaching out to to get somebody to kind of do some of the legwork on It does not mean they're gonna sell maybe he just wanted a fair evaluation of what he could get And if he doesn't like the number or if he wants he may be doing this just to mess with everybody Make it look like he's going to sell. And be like, ah, I'm never going to sell, guys. Come on. Don't know. He, he he could be that kind of guy. I don't know. I don't really know him that well. But I do know that franchise needs uh, a lot of help and a lot of work. Him and his wife have done a lot of things here recently that have helped. But it is a long way to go. So we'll see how things go. Wish all the best to the Snyder family in whatever endeavor they are trying to get into. But uh, that'll do it for all our NFL talk. When we come back from a break, we will talk NASCAR, F1, little uh, MLS, some uh, NWSL, and uh, that'll pretty much end us for the night. But for now, want to take a break so you can hear about our friends at betonline.net, and we will see you on the other side of the break. Hi, this is Jeremy the Impact York from Strong Style, Board Check, and that's Sports show. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest Football League developments, game matchups, news, including this year's opening games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. And welcome back to That Sports Show. Make sure to visit our friends at BetOnline.net. They've got the articles, they've got the podcasts, they've got uh, the betting lines. Even if it's illegal to bet in the area, or it's not legal to properly wager on sporting events where you are, uh, you can still use the information to be a better fan, a more informed fan, and uh, you know, be super smart at the water cooler. It works. When you're waiting on a MARTA train conversation starts up maybe there's a tidbit that you learned from one of their shows that uh, nobody else knew about it's happened folks it's happened but make sure to visit betonline.net and uh, tell them impact media sent you tell them impact media sent you they love hearing that and i love hearing from them that people told them that Uh, because they've been great partners and we want to continue that so Let's get into, let's find the handy dandy notebook, there it is, let's talk a little F1 first, we we want to save NASCAR, I think you guys know why, let's talk a little F1, Formula 1, they were down in Mexico City, the Gold City, high elevation, that does play into Race cars, by the way. So there's a lot of things. Uh, they they got to stay really hydrated because of of uh, the air and things like that. And uh, luckily, everybody did well. Um, this was a good race. This this was a good overall race. We started out, and it was Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, George Russell, Carlos Sainz, and Charles Leclerc. They started off one one through five. Uh, the mediums were ideal, and then this the we're talking about tires. The medium tires seemed to be ideal at least at the beginning, and then it seemed like the more rubber was on the track and the more everything heated up, the soft tires were doing um, were, were doing pretty well. Uh, they were allowing if if somebody was on a medium tire and somebody was on a uh, a soft compound tire, the soft compounds were able to get a little more speed on the straightaways and make passes a little bit easier. Uh, Unless you're Yuki Sonoda, and you do not know that Daniel Ricciardo is going to put you into the gravel, which sucks because not only are they friends, and Ricciardo didn't mean to do it. He thought he had the space for the pass, and Yuki kind of come in on him there, and it it was probably 60-40 Ricciardo's fault. He served a 10-second penalty. It ended up affecting the end of his race a little bit, but... um, Beyond that, he was driving the wheels off his car, and Ricardo actually, the announcers named him the racer of the day because uh, he was just, he was out driving anybody you come in contact to. Um, it seemed like the hard tires, just they were taking so long to warm up that it was uh, not, not allowing, not allowing people to, to be in the race the way they wanted to. I think Mercedes was going with some hard tires and just didn't quite didn't quite come together for them. Uh, about lap fifty one was when the Yuki Tsunoda, Daniel Ricciardo uh, collision happened. They they just kind of bumped tires, but Yuki kind of his back tire ran over the back tire of of uh, Ricciardo and. Uh, of ended up in the gravel and he ended up his day was out of the race his car was damaged enough to be out of the race which was unfortunate because he, he was running pretty good and like I said, that, that kind of stuff happens uh you hate it for him but it helped the rest of the grid out as well um alonzo was having a good day as well and then his engine about lap 66 decided 66 laps is as long as i want to go Forget the last five, and so uh, he ended up out. They had a virtual safety car that should have been an actual safety car. It's that's something F1's got to figure out. They, uh, they 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 usually make the right call. In this case, it shouldn't have been virtual. It should have been an actual, and the and that means they put an actual car on track that slows everybody down instead of uh, having everybody just cut uh, the output power. But on the restart. From the virtual car with only a handful of laps to go, it was still Verstappen, Hamilton, Perez, uh, Sainz, and Charles Leclerc. Just seems like the Ferraris just could never get up there. They ended up finishing five and six uh, away from the podium, and just they they were definitely good enough to be in the top echelon there. But not good enough to to overtake the four people in front of him. Alex Albon ended up in 12th. Lando Norris was 9th. Ricardo ended up in 7th. Now, after his penalty, he might have dropped to 8th. But uh, he was, I mean, that's still top 10 in points there. I didn't see the exact penalty. I know it was supposed to be 10 seconds. I didn't see what that actually did. Uh, Max Verstappen wins the race. This was his 14th victory this season. That is a new Record the old record where Sebastian Vettel and Michael Schumacher had 13 wins in a year, which is just incredible, by the way. And Max has a chance to add another win or two before the end of the year. Uh, But when you have one of the best machines on track and you're just a highly skilled driver like Max, who has been racing since he was five or six years old, then uh, it's just a recipe for 14... Victories this year and and possibly more. Uh, they are off this week, and I believe we'll be in uh, sunny Brazil in a couple weeks, which is going to be fantastic. They I think they shift down there and then may go back towards Europe to finish everything up. But um, yep, Max has, has already got the F one title. We know that the singles title, the constructors' cup, otherwise known as the team title. I think it's slightly up for grabs, but right now it's, it's, it's not even about winning at it for most teams. It's trying to finish as high as you can, and uh, it's, it's been a fantastic year. Just a, a fantastic year. Let's get into NASCAR. NASCAR Cup Series, they were in Martinsville. We were down to the Final Eight. This was the last chance to get into the Final Four, and the ways to do so, were to win the race or get more points than the other people around you of the eight that were in. Joey Logano was already in the final because he had won a race uh, two races ago. Ross Chastain, Chase Elliott, and was it Blaine? Who was the other guy? I can't remember the other guy that was in. But uh, we're the top ones coming in. With uh, Christopher Bell, Chase Briscoe, Ryan Blaney, Denny Hamlin, all uh, trying to get that last spot in. Uh, We start off, and it is Larson, Elliott, Briscoe, Blaney, Cole Custer, who uh, we'll get to him in a minute. Because there are are three big storylines coming out of this, in my opinion. There are three storylines coming out of this race, three set up for the final that will be next week, and we will talk about that in a minute but first uh they start off that way it it was a real tight track i mean there's not a lot of chances to pass you really do you pass people in the pits and you can occasionally there are a couple little places where you can just edge around Uh, not a whole lot of room for passing Uh, denny hamlin was able to take the lead over chase elliott after elliott had passed larson around lap 120 of 130 early on and your top five for stage one were Denny Hamlin who won the stage Chase Elliott Cole Custer Kyle Larson and Chase Briscoe pretty good for some of those guys Uh, to start stage two Chase Briscoe got a pit penalty because he left with the gas can still in his car he had to come back and serve that. That stuck him in the back. That's all but made it where he had to win a race. Now, if you remember a couple races ago, it was the same way for Christopher Bell, who came from about middle of the pack to the front in the last handful of laps and actually won his way into this round. Well, at this given moment, both, both Christopher Bell and Chase Briscoe are pretty much the only way they're advancing is if they win. Um, coming out of stage two, it was Hamlin, Elliot, Larson, Cole Custer, and Brad Keselowski, who had a pretty good day up until, uh, he got spun out in stage three, and it's, it didn't make a lot of sense when he got spun out. There was no real reason for that to happen, but it happened anyway, and sucks for Brad, but it's been that kind of year. Uh, Redick was out. He he pulled over in the pits. He he come he, he said ever since the, the stage two restart, he has not felt all that good at all. He has a big headache, and uh, uh, Joe Gibbs, um, uh, and his crew chief both said, "Well, if you don't feel good, come on come on out. we forget backup driver anything like that. Just come on and pull down here. Uh, your your safety and your health is more important." And so he came and got out, and Joe Gibbs was the first person to meet him there to check on him and to make sure he was okay. Joe Gibbs is a good guy. He's a real good guy. Um, and uh, I'm glad that, that he did that. And Reddick was uh, officially out. That was lap 190. And then stage two, your winner, of course, is Denny Hamlin, who is starting to get those points up just enough. Uh, To to outpoint people He was doing good in the standings Uh, It was Denny, it was Elliot It was Larson, it was Custer And it was Christopher Bell Who had found his way up towards the front On lap 271 Which happened in stage 3 271, a little over halfway into this race It was Denny Hamlin Elliot, Larson uh, Ryan Blaney And Cole Custer Cole Custer, man Like I said, we're going to talk about him in a minute uh, Ross Chastain spun, uh, spun Kozlowski this is the one I told you that it didn't make the, the world's biggest sense that it happened I mean they just they kind of got into each other it was not Ross being dumb uh, it w- and it wasn't him being reckless and it wasn't Brad being dumb either it just they were both going for the same spot and it unfortunately Kozlowski got spun out in lap 275 which means there is still 225 laps at this point so it's not like you're completely out of it uh on the restart with 214 to go it is the three of or the restart come on lap 214 uh the three car of austin dillon decided he hadn't been talked about enough which was he hadn't really been talked about much at all at that point uh he spun out with 181 to go. He and he slammed the wall. And from what it looked like and what he said, it looked like the brakes, they didn't completely go out, but they were not working amazingly. Uh, glad he is actually okay. He wasn't just being an attention hog. Uh, I don't think he really does that. But um, uh, it looked like the brakes were just not working properly. On the restart, it is Christopher Bell, Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson. That is Lap, 3:30, so at that point we have hundred and seventy laps to go uh, the 15 of JJ Yaley spun out at lap 394 just over a hundred laps to go at that point um, on the restart which was on lap 404 it was Blaney Bell Elliot Larson Hamlin all guys trying to get those points Uh, The 77 to Landon Castle slams into the wall, bringing out the caution. On the restart, it is Cole Custer, Chase Briscoe, Brad Keselowski. See, he had rebounded. Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell with 24 to go. So here we are again. There's... uh, uh, You look at it, and Briscoe and Bell have to win their way in. Well, they're sitting right there. Uh, Chase not Chase Ross Chastain and Denny Hamlin the one in the the 11 had been trading paint and banging all year there have been incidents back and forth and they continued to with about 20 to go I really thought one was going to wreck the other just they were getting so close to spinning each other out and then ultimately I think Denny went on up and and got out in front of him Uh, but there was a lot more aggression later in stage 3 there were people that were just doing what they had to do to get in the positions they needed i mean it it got to be real desperate towards the end people that are like hey we got to have it we got to have it give me something needing a couple more spots and so they were doing that um with about 20 to go it was christopher bell larson blaney kazalowski chastain and then uh in the very end Christopher Bell was able to take the lead, and he never surrendered it. After that, it was, it finished Christopher Bell, Joey Logano, Ross Chastain, uh, Chase Elliott. Well, no, actually, those are the four that advanced. Bell did win the race. There it is right there. Bell, Larson, Blaney, Keselowski, Chastain, or how they finished. So, there's three main takeaways here, and I'm going to get into them. Number 1, Christopher Bell at another do uh or another game 7 moment basically where he can only, the only way he can advance is to win. He finds a way to win. I actually predicted this if you guys remembered. I said it all week long Christopher Bell is going to win this race. Christopher Bell is going to win this race. Christopher Bell won the race. Thanks for making me look good, Chrissy. Um So like I said, the people that advanced Christopher Bell, Joey Logano, they both won races. Ross Chastain, because he finished ahead of of the 11 of Denny Hamlin, which is what he needed to do. They were real close in points. And Chase Elliott, who had enough points going around and finished high enough to stay in the top. So, story number one, Christopher Bell. Fantastic performance. Once again, as good as he has done this year, it just keeps adding to why Kyle Busch is basically being allowed to go to RCR because there's a backup of young drivers, young talented drivers, some of which are named Gibbs, some of which are named Bell and other things that are in the pipeline and for JGR, uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. And they they need the room. So unfortunately, aging veteran, as good as he is, was let go, basically. Story number two, because I want to say these first, because story number three is going to come over the top of these like uh, the best icing on a birthday cake you've ever seen. But I don't want these to be overshadowed, and I don't want people to forget those. Great job by Christopher Bell. There's a name I mentioned all day long that we have hardly mentioned all year long. The only time here lately we have said the words Cole Custer is to tell you that uh, somehow NASCAR found out That he was trying to help his teammate advance, Chase Briscoe, which he did by getting out of the way and being a blocker and things like that. And he actually said it out loud. uh, Which is, uh, if you're going to help other people, just don't say it out loud. That's, That's the moral of the story there. But Cole Custer, the end of stage one, he's in third place. The end of stage two, he's in fourth place. The end of the race. He had a, I think he was top 10. Cole Custer was in this race and doing well, running almost top five all race long. What a fantastic finish for him. I think it's one of his best races overall, at least of this season. And it looks pretty good for the Stuart Haas guys next year because you've got Custer, who who is, who is finishing strong. You've got Kevin Harvick, who is, uh, he may be an aging veteran, but he's still Kevin Harvick, and he's still really, really good. You've got Chase Briscoe, who made it all the way to the next to last round. They almost made the final for the NASCAR Cup. I mean, just, it's a fantastic, fantastic overall year and building for the future. I know they wanted to be in in the final, and I know they wanted to do better than they did. But you've got a lot coming off of this year with a race to go into next year so I feel pretty good about the Stuart Haas guys and that uh, I know that is going to make a friend of the show Matt Ridgway very happy he works there for them Um, but those are the two main stories I want to get to before I get to the last one and that is uh, the unbelievable driving in a good way of one Ross Chastain. I told you he had to finish ahead of Denny Hamlin in order to advance. Going into the last lap or so, he's talking with his he's talking with his crew chief, and he asked his crew chief. He said, "Uh, what do we got to have? Do we got to have it?" And his crew chief basically said, "Yeah, you've got to be in front. We need two positions or something along the lines of you've got to get in front of the 11th." The 11 was um, a handful of cars ahead of it so when Ross hears that as he nears turns three and four he does a strategy that he had talked about weeks ago with his crew chief and his crew chief uh, it advised him that they would not be the world's best plan because they were a small team it could do a lot of damage to the car and uh, it, it just—he didn't know that it was worth the risk that it, that it would actually work. But Ross knew he needed it, and so what Ross did was instead of turning left, four turns, three and four, which is what everybody else did, Ross turned right, not square into the wall. He he pretty much put his right door panel on the wall, uh, on you know, bumper bumper to bumper with the wall, and gunned it and what did this do this created it it was like Mario Kart when you hit the little arrows and that thing just flies he made up so many positions and finished about a hood about the the uh, the length of a hood from the front of the car to the windshield ahead of Denny Hamlin and uh, they even asked Denny Hamlin after the race about it and he said I I can't really be that mad or upset I am that I didn't make the final but You got to give it to him on that. That that takes a lot. You got to have the skill to pull it off. You got to have the gumption to go for it. I mean, (laughs) just holy cow. That watermelon farmer Ross Chastain, he went for it and he got it. If you hadn't seen the video, it's all over social media, Instagram, all those things. NASCAR has got it. Go see the video. Uh, it, it just watching him do it, it you just like, what is he doing? And then it works, and he just comes out looking like a genius. Congratulations to Ross Chastain. What an unbelievable moment. Um, it's, you, you can't do that at every track. You could probably do it there. I don't even know if you could make Bristol work. You, know, you could probably, I'll be honest, where it could happen is if they race inside the Coliseum again next year to to open up kind of exhibition style. I, it would not surprise me would not surprise me at all if he was uh he was, he was able to do that but uh good for Rosto Estane uh good for Christopher Bell for winning uh Joey Logano and and Chase Elliott those are your final four going into this week's race in Phoenix where uh it is it is for all the marbles you want to know who's going to win Whichever of the four of them finishes ahead of the other three. That is uh, no joke. Basically what is going to happen. It now comes down to who finishes ahead of who. This is the last race. The defending champion is Kyle Larson. It will be Sunday on NBC at 3 p.m. There's no F1 going head-to-head with it. Uh, it, This will be going head-to-head with the NFL But it's called multi screens guys or it's called a DVR because I think you want to watch you want to watch the Phoenix race live because you're gonna it's it's gonna be for all the marbles every last one of them under the couch still embedded the carpet in a jar doesn't matter for all the marbles so there's two questions who is my pick to win the race And who do I think is going to win the championship? Well, I'll tell you. What usually happens is one of the four wins the race. And I can make a case for any of these people to win. Chase Elliott, two years ago's cup champion. He's done it before. There's a reason why people like him and Kyle Larson are always up towards the front. They are two of the more skilled, better overall drivers. Joey Logano, he is actually the veteran of this group. I think he is aged what he is like in his thirties, early thirties maybe, and he is actually the oldest. And he's won before; he's won a cup as well. Uh, all the veteran experience; he's been staying up top in all these races throughout the year. He's done what he needed to do to get to this point. He could easily win it. Christopher Bell, like I said, the last two. Do or die races, where he had to have a win to advance. He won, so what's to say he can't ride that momentum and continue to go? And keep this in mind too: all these guys are from different. Uh, they are from different teams. So Christopher Bell is going to have the JGR guys. That's that's Kyle and that's Denny, that that uh, can help him as teammates try to help him win. Joey Logano's got Team Penske that can help him. Ross Chastain has got Daniel Suarez as his Trackhouse teammate. By by the way, that's got to be one of the most fun teams. It literally If – I'm a big fan of Trackhouse and both those guys. They're so much fun. They're a fantastic team. And then you get to Chase Elliott. He's a Hendrick guy. He's got William Byron, and he's got Kyle Larson. He's got the whole crew. All of those teams are going to be helping their guys. They're not going to say it out loud and get in trouble. Like Cole Custer, he learned. He learned, guys. But uh, that leaves Ross Chastain that I have not previewed. If Ross is willing to do the strategy he did to advance, that tells you that he's a driver that's willing to put everything on the line. So late in the race, if you see Ross Chastain up towards the top and it looks like he's got a chance to win, he's got to be the front runner late in a race like that because he just might do it he's going to do what he's got to do he might drive backwards for all we know whatever it takes to get over there he is not afraid to do it and that is what makes him fantastic he does what he's got to do to get the job done but whew, i mean the favorite's got to be elliot because he's done it It'd be nice to see logano win or bell you know what's the best story how about a first time, a first year rookie team that has a driver that's known for road courses, that has another driver who was in a different ride last year and lost that ride. Not for anything he really did. they just decided to move in a different direction and found a home with track house racing. They came after him. Give me the best story. And the best story to me is Ross Chastain winning the race and winning the championship. Uh, I just, just, I, I'm cool with if any of the four winners, honestly. But if i got to pick, give me Ross Chastain. Because it's the best story. All the rest of them have good stories. Bell is going to have his opportunities down the road. Chastain probably will, too. But give me... Ross Chastain to win the race, and the NASCAR Cup Series at Phoenix. Remember, 3 p.m. on NBC. Uh, just, It's going to be a fantastic time, guys. Just a fantastic time. Uh, real quickly, let's talk a little MLS Cup. MLS Cup, the final, is going to be this Saturday at 4 p.m., the Philadelphia Union are going to host the L.A. FC. That's L.A. Football Club. Uh, by far, I, I would say these are these are two of the better teams. Not just because they're in the final, but they they ran through the people they needed to run through. Um. I really don't even know who's favored in this one. They're they're both really good squads. Um. What is it with Philly? Philly is uh, crazy on fire. We'll talk a little World Series in a second, but uh, you've got you've got the Phillies in the World Series, up two to one right now. In the series, you've got the Philadelphia Union, who are in the MLS Cup final. You've got the Flyers, who are off to a hot start. You've got the Eagles, who are probably the best team in the NFC. I mean, uh, it's a it's a good time to be in in Philadelphia. I'm sure the Sixers are doing some decent stuff. But uh, my pick, I don't know. It's it's at Philly. Um, I'm going to. Wow. <laughs> the four times they have played head-to-head. Um, in 2018, 4-1 LA. In 2019, 1-1 draw. In 2020, 3-3 draw. In 2022, they played earlier this year, 2-2 to draw. They are even. They are even. Um, but here's the thing. They scored similar goals. This year, Philadelphia scored 76, L.A. scored 72. Here, I believe, is going to be the difference. LAFC gave up 40 goals this year. Philadelphia gave up 27. So give me Philadelphia to win 2-1. to one. I think Philadelphia is, uh, is going to win that one. That's, that's just the way I, I see it. Good luck to all of them. Um, I'm going to try to watch that game. And uh, that's... Because as soon as that is over as soon as that is over that means that the offseason begins and we can talk a lot of United things and see where those chips fall because there are a lot of chips that are going to fall uh, in that one. But uh, good luck to both squads. Look, for, look forward to a good game. And uh, once again I'll take Philly. Uh, let's talk some NWSL. That is the Women's League, folks. Where my favorite team, the Portland Thorns, ended up lifting the cup for the third time in the team's history as they beat KC 2-0. to nothing. Um, Sophia Smith, one of the best young players in the league and in the world, scored in the fourth minute, and they really didn't need more after that, but Addison Merrick ended up with an own goal the 56 minutes for the two to nothing uh, victory. Like I said, this is the third time that the Thorns have won, as they also won in 2013 in the uh, league's first year, and they also got the trophy again in 2017. Uh, she was the MVP this year, and this was only one of the few times that the uh, the second MVP recipient to score a championship game, uh, Lynn Williams for North Carolina, did it in 2016. And like I said, Smith is only 22. She's the youngest player to score in a league final. Uh, it just shows you where the growth of the women's game is, is that you got so much young talent and an influx of it right now. Uh, the NWSL is a great league, great league. Like I said, I've, I've been a big Portland fan ever since... Um, since i've become a timbers fan as well yes i am united and timbers fan if uh, you see me out somewhere i want to hear that story feel free to it's uh, it's a good story but uh, audi field was nearly sold out for this game which was just uh, incredible uh, there were a lot of signs that said support the players because of uh, the controversies and investigations going on right now and uh, those need to get ironed out but just a, a fantastic game and performance. Um, the Kansas City Currents are just, this is only their second year of playing. They took over when the uh, Utah Royals went defunct. And uh, last season, KC was actually last place in the league. So go from last place to basically runner-up in the final, that's, that's incredible. That's that's just incredible. Uh, Shout out to all the amazing women in that league. And uh, keep fighting the good fight. And we're going to get this stuff ironed out. And this league is going to continue to boom. I keep waiting to see when Atlanta is going to add a women's team. I feel like it's always in the works. But there's a lot of details to iron out that uh, maybe at some point me and uh, John Watts here At Impact Media, we're going to talk about some of the logistics involved in that. We had a good debate on it the other night, and I said, hey, we should should record this for a pod, and he's all for it. So at some point, we will sit down and do that. But once again, congratulations to the uh, Portland Thorns. And like I said, last thing I want to get to is the World Series that is currently going on. Where the Phillies currently are up two games to one, they are in the top of the fourth right now, 0-0. This is game two in Philadelphia. There will be a third game in Philadelphia, and if necessary, games six and seven will be back in Houston, I believe. Make sure of that. Yeah. Those will both be in Houston. There you go. Um, let's talk about some of these games. We know the Phillies won seven to nothing behind just uh, Bryce Harper and and Crew that were just smashing uh, Astros pitching. What a dominant performance! Um, they were actually supposed to play Monday, but uh, it kind of worked out. They didn't go head to head with Monday Night Football. And it also worked out that. Uh, They got rained out and got to play Tuesday, and it seems like one team was a little more prepared for that. The Astros did win game two in Houston, five to two. Uh, They just, their their bats woke up and were doing well. Uh, Six to five Phillies in game number one. That went all the way to ten innings. Uh, These two teams are a lot more evenly matched, so, you know, keep that in mind. It's really close in game one where it goes to, to ten innings before the Phillies win. Game two right behind that, well, the Astros, they win by three. They win a little big. Game three, the Phillies win big. So I expect tonight, it's already 0-0. I expect it to be close as well. And then we will see what happens tomorrow night. I think the Phillies are going to win this in six. Uh, it would be nice if they won it in five to win it at home because to look at the crowds at these games, Philadelphia is just rocking their stadium out. And Houston crowd has been fantastic as well. Uh, This has actually been a really good series for baseball and for baseball fans. Um, Whether you like or don't like these teams, they have been playing their hearts out. And it's always good to see, you know, the Justin Verlanders, to see the Bryce Harpers, some of the league's brightest stars, shining. But that is going to do it for us this week. This has been another great edition of That Sports Show. I am Jeremy the Impact York. We will see you guys next week. Deuces, gooses.